money, the lies, the greed, the fight, the struggle, the cries, we bleed, disguise, the light, the shine, in me, the cycle, the justice, repeat, cause it's the power, the money, the lies, the greed, the fight, the struggle, the cries, we bleed, disguise, the light, the shine, in me, so welcome to Tolerant Left. Uh, this is Talia. We are doing a bit of a reboot uh, due to the lack of Marxist-Leninist uh, non-male voices and um, just <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about that? Um, so when we started this project, we really knew that there was a lack of voices like ours in this realm, but we have had a lot of life happen since then, and we've read a lot, and we've met a lot of people, and we met a lot of other um, amazing Marxist-Leninist non-men who have a ton of experience, and... Um, really just, uh, I don't know, really important stuff to say uh, about the exact same things that we wanted to talk about. So we are, we have restructured the way that we're doing things here. And we are no longer um, a cadre of two. We're a cadre of plenty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, we are, we're back. And there are more of us. So Kind of on that note, um, all of us met in a realm um, that one could explain as an organizing circle. And um, there are some struggles that we as non-men in these circles have experienced that only non-men really experience in these settings. And we think it's really important for these struggles to be amplified and talked about and talked about in a setting where we are not we're not in fear of speaking up and alienating our male peers even even our amazing good male peers that that read marxist literature and and our amazing people there's just centuries of uh ingrained misogynistic behavior that you know, even the most outspoken of us have a hard time speaking up in those settings. And so this is really why we have this, why the tolerant left exists and why we're all here um, so that we can talk about these things in a setting where where we don't have a filter. And um, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about some struggles that we face as non-men in organizing circles. Should we all introduce ourselves? Yeah, I was going to say, especially for... Um... Savannah and Ilex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is Talia. She, her. I'm drinking water. <laughs> because I've lost my voice from AEW Wrestling. <laughs> and I got to see Moxley win the title. I lost <laughs> my mind and my voice. And I'm ready for this. Um, I'm Jess. They, them. And I am drinking coffee. And there are three comrades sharing a mic tonight. And I think it's your turn. <laughs> um, this is Savannah. 
and I am drinking um, matcha, and my pronouns are she, hers. This is Ilex. Uh, pronouns they, them. I accept she, her, but limited. <laughs> and uh, drinks, uh, what am I drinking? Peach Tranquility Tea by Starbucks. Don't at me. Mm. <laughs> that sounds really good. Yeah, it sounds it delicious. It's so good. It's my favorite. I hate it. Uh, yeah, anyways, this is Alex. Uh, I prefer they, them, um, but also accept she, her, he, him. Um, I am drinking a mixture of bourgeoisie tears, and I feel very embarrassed, but I'm also drinking an energy drink because of that grad school life, baby. And energy drink. Yeah! I had a monster already this morning, so I feel that. Not because of grad school life. Oh. I've just been drinking coffee all day because that's just my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just going to ask um, how we want to structure this. Do we want to just break it up for people to each tell an individual experience and then we can just build off of it? Yeah, that should be good. All right. Um, I feel like I know for sure um Alex and I have talked about wanting to do specific stuff so I know they probably have like some specifics you want to go into yeah um Savannah you I'm sure have a bunch to say too I feel like um I want you all to say your bits and I'll probably just comment on it and be like yeah if I agree or something so um <laughs> who wants to start um uh... I guess I could. Okay. Um, so I've been a part of leftist organizing for many, 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 many years. Because uh, I'm old as fuck. Uh, but... No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> but I have noticed, just when I think about it, I always get put into these roles, these secretarial roles, like, they think I'm good, but I'm not good enough to be a leader. Um, I think that's an example of just, hold on, Hochi's eating my microphone. <laughs> oh, no. no, no. Stop it! Hochi! Stop. But, yeah, starting, uh, I think, in, like... Seventh grade is when I started running for uh, school government crap, and I'd always get put into secretarial roles, and that's usually where women are always put into, not like president or vice president, secretary, and... I finally, like, even when I was a DSA, I got elected to a leadership position, but it was a secretarial role. And the DSA stuff is the the source of many... Ugh, it really stressed me out, the amount of sexism I dealt with in DSA, um... I was heavily recruited to join DSA um, with one of the purposes being that I'm an ML and an outspoken ML and I would combat the trots um, and speak against them because you know what, They're, they were all very sexist. And I was recruited by Radlibs 
And I was like, well, maybe I can actually push the DSA left. All of this is on me, one person, a woman. Um, and the amount of misogyny, anti-Semitism I dealt with, those six months I was in a leadership role, was absolutely horrendous. And it was coming from not only the trots, but also the rad libs and that I get sent screenshots of trots saying stuff and them saying, well, maybe you should say something and always me having to say something. So my labor, my emotional labor is being used because I'm not going to sh- keep my mouth shut if someone's being like sexist or anti-Semitic. And then from the trat side, they were posting really misogynist stuff and they were really rude and condescending towards any woman that was in power. Um, for an, one example is, oh boy, this one trat um, posted an article from the tablet. And if you know the tablet, it's just a horrific Zionist drag um, tabloid, basically. And it was concerning Julia Salazar, who's a rep from New York, and her Jewishness. And this article was saying that she wasn't really Jewish, even though she was. And it's because her family was from Spain. She was, she's Sephardi Jew, Jewish. And this track kept on saying, like, well, I think it's concerning that she's lying about her Jewishness. And I'm like, I lost it. I was like, how dare you post something this anti-Semitic and you need to stop pick like this trot kept on picking on just female politicians and not male politicians and would call these female politicians like cows and stuff. And I told him just stop posting this garbage. And then he tells me to calm down. I'm not acting camaraderie. Calm down. (sighs) We all got so pissed looking. Like, I want to kill right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, none of us have ever heard that one before. (laughs) told me to calm down. I was getting too emotional. And I said, do not tell me to calm down. I told you this was anti-Semitic. And it's really patronizing and condescending for you to calm, tell me to calm down. And then he said again, no, you just need to calm down. And I like, I went to Comrade at Large and DSA who handles harassment complaints. This is a person that I and many other women dealt with for months and years with his sexism and DSA did jack shit and they still let he's still in it I quit though I was I had it I had it with him there was also troubles with national like DS my local DSA voted to expel a a male uh, who was an abuser uh, and a stalker and national let him back in uh, there were, there was at least like three months of us in leadership 
combating with nationals saying we've we voted to expel him for a reason we're not letting him back in but then at the end of the day i quit two other people quit but the rest are still in dsa and my argument was if we are a socialist organization we cannot be replicating the same patriarchy same capitalist bullshit that we deal with in the in this world and and i really push for people either to drop to quit in solidarity with the victim or to break away from national and have our own chapter but you know what at the end of the day like people choose either political opportunity or they choose solidarity and it was really really telling when those people who stayed how they felt about women and victims of abuse the fact that they kept that trodden and the fact that they didn't quit when an abuser was let back in uh that's just a little bit of what i've dealt with um it's amazing how disposable non-men in leadership are seen as. Mm-hmm. Like, all of these people were saying that this person was an abuser, and then it was like, okay, well, if you think he's an abuser, yeah. then you can leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, non-men are doing much more labor often and then are still seen as more disposable than someone who's in a, um, in, in a position of, like, less authority or, like, less responsibility. Yeah. And you get this response of, well, he's a good organizer. He's a good activist. It's like, well, what the fuck am I then? Right. They consistently downplay the things that non-men do um, because, I mean, patriarchally in our society, we're seen as like fake activists, fake fans, fake Mm -hmm. versions of this or that, because obviously we're only in there to find a partner or to do some performative bullshit. We're not real activists, right? Even though we like dedicate our lives to it. It's a replication of nerd culture, of, like, metal culture. Like, all of these cultures that I'm a part of, where it's male-dominated, women are always seen as fake fans, or you have to prove your worth. Yeah, it's bullshit because they don't have to prove their worth. That's how the comic book uh, fandom is. Like, I'm a huge fan person, and... I've had to deal with that shit so much that I just said, fuck it, like, I'm not going to be part of this shit. And yeah. it's telling if the organizing space is like that because they're they're not acting in praxis. Mm-hmm. They aren't. If they aren't going to support the solidarity of non-men and minorities and marginalized people to go against an abuser, that's not praxis. Right. It's just political opportunism. Um, so I also have had, of course, several instances, um, struggles as a non-man in organizing spaces and, um, pretty much in every organizing space I've been in though, not just, you know, in the explicitly ML spaces that I end up in lately or not even in just leftist spaces, but also when I was in liberal organizing spaces, that was the case as well. My first time um, working for a, I don't know, like 
like getting paid to do political work. Um, actually, I guess that's like pretty much my only time getting paid to do anything political. Oh, yeah. It always costs me money. Um, but I worked for a uh, pack in Washington State. And it was in the election season in 2016. And basically, we were like trying to get out the vote, which was cool at the time. Like, I was really excited about that. Um, but I found myself getting fewer hours than the men who had equal experience than I had. Um, and I found I, I had an instance, a problem with one of my supervisors. And um, that conversation that you talked about, Talia, just reminded me of it. And that's I, that's why I typed it down so I could remember. Um, but with him, I came to him with a concern about my schedule and pay and about the way I was being treated. And he told me that I was being way too sensitive and that uh. I needed to calm down. Uh. And <laughs> yeah. Like, literally, those exact words. I don't know why that's so common. Um, but they, he told me that I needed to calm down. And I was like, I don't think I do, though. Because um, this is a big deal. And um, he told me that I was just being emotional. And I... <sighs> that I needed to, like, basically simmer down so that we could, like talk about this rationally and the whole time it was like I'm talking to you about things that you've done that are very serious and I would like resolution for and I think I have a right to bring them up yes. and, and it was just like like unfortunately this is how I found out that in Washington State um, you have to get consent to record because I actually recorded this conversation and um, after it happened uh, I talked to him because I'd had issues with him in the past and that's why I thought to record the conversation. Um, but afterwards I tried to talk to his supervisor about it and they told me that they would talk to him. And I was like, I want something to happen about this because he fired me in that conversation and um, they wouldn't do anything about it. And when I told them I had recorded the conversation, they basically just decided to stop replying to me. And they had no interest whatsoever in the fact that he had told me that I just needed to basically calm my emotional jets because I was being a hysterical woman. Mm. So um, that was extremely upsetting. Um, but there are there are other issues that I've had that I think we, we find a lot of pretty consistently across the board, too, where just like with Talia, where I'm undervalued or somebody with equal experience as me is valued above me um, where I will have an idea and then it's a pretty good idea and nobody will be interested in it until a man is like, Hey, how about insert Jess, Jess's idea here? And they're like, Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a great idea. And that's just like, that's pretty consistent. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, so that's basically like a problem across the board for me that I'm I'm always seeing that my ideas are never given equal space until a man has like amplified it. And it's silly because once I noticed those things, it was like I had 
man friends who would organize with me and be like my my um, bullhorn so that whenever I would say something and obviously no one would pay attention, he would say it too. Just so oh. that like, good ideas would get paid attention to. So it's ridiculous that we all noticed that and like made a deliberate effort to make sure people actually listen to me. So like this is a common thing. It's not like just one organizing space or another. This is socially ingrained and it really keeps people away from organizing spaces who could be making a huge difference. So that's like that's the biggest problem here. You know, like whether you feel one way or another emotionally about, um, you know, people being given equal space. What, what's really happening is you're alienating people who are really incredibly useful to the projects that you have and doing so by not valuing the work that they do, not giving them equal space when they have ideas or have grievances and when they do have grievances, pushing them out. So that's, that's like incredibly common. Of course, there's always thousands of things that we have um, on those lines, I'm sure, between all of us. Oh, yeah. And I was just going to say, like, that's something that is probably experienced by, I would guess, like, every non-man in even regular, like, everyday life where we aren't listened to for our ideas. And the only way to get our idea heard is if it's either replicated by a man or supported by a man or anything has to be verified and, like, basically justified through a man's ideas like he is the final say in whether something is valid or not which really pisses me off more than anything in the world because I've been in so many group projects even at school where it's like unless a man is like the voice of authority and saying that something makes sense it doesn't make sense even if like a group of non-men and women are like oh yeah so fucking sounds badass but it sucks because it shouldn't be that case in organizing yeah. And it still re-perpetuates itself in organizing, and it's bullshit. And it makes us even feel, like, even when we're not around men, it makes us feel like our opinions are not as valid and don't deserve as much space. Like, I was saying, um, this is our second attempt recording because the first time um, we had connectivity issue issues. But that time, I had four books sitting here just in case I needed somebody else's opinion to back up my experience. <laughs> Because I felt like my experience wasn't enough to be given, you know, enough weight to be given enough weight to be taken seriously. And that's I know that that's a socially conditioned dynamic here. And it's because I do that all the time. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to um, bring that up because like even when we're sharing our own perspectives and experiences, we look toward a male-dominated institution, which is academia, to back up our points. Even if there are non-men authors that we're sort of uh, taking text from, they are supported by academia, like, and they have been published, so thus they're like correct, but we can't just use our own experiences. Right, exactly. We kind of lost your audio, Jess. Oh, I said, right, exactly. <laughs> oh, <there we> <laughs> um, yeah, that reminded me of, like, just recently, like, in the past couple of months, um, this group uh, said they were 
thinking about having a commune and I told a male person that's a stupid idea. Uh, you should tell the person who really wants this commune to open up like a co-op store or something like that or to work with farmers in the area for doing like a CSA or um, or opening up a, just as a community space. And he said, well, why don't you just tell that person your thoughts? And I said, well, that person does not respect my opinion. Mm-hmm. It'll sound better coming from you than it will from me. And in the end, it turns out that person didn't like me and I was right. <laughs> I have no clue what you're talking about, Talia. <laughs> Turns out uh, he didn't like any of us. Uh, next. <laughs> On that, like, um, subject of the commune, <laughs> in that group, I'm the only person with subsistence farming experience. And every time I said a goddamn thing, it was not listened to. Ugh. So frustrating. Ah. <laughs> And I, I also told this person to tell the other person, like, maybe start out small with, like, a garden at your house. Yeah. And then do a community garden from there. And then possibly start volunteering and working with farmers on their farms. So you know what the fuck you're doing. But I couldn't yeah. tell the person who really wanted this commune that because he did not give two shits about me or my opinions. Uh, I mean, on that note, uh, we could talk about... There's so many things on that note. Um, on that note, we can talk about uh, people who do not have uteruses, specifically cis men who... In, insist on inserting themselves into conversations about uteruses. Um, it's infuriating. They have absolutely no business talking about our reproductive health um, or the problems that we face in it. And um, it has been a consistent issue that even when there are people right next to you who have had significant struggles in that realm and have significant knowledge in that realm um and they're not given that space where where space needs to be filled so i mean i think that that's that's really common that's not i mean there are specific instances we can think of with that but there's that's also an across the board problem and it's not just you know in our organizing spaces that's just a societal issue across the board that people who have absolutely no stake in in the struggle that we have here right now in our society with reproductive health have the most like say in it right now so i think that that's especially infuriating because right now i think anybody who has tried to seek medical health or like medical help for anything in in a reproductive realm um who has a uterus um I, I think it's it is absolutely completely different than the care that anybody else gets um, for pretty much any other kind of ailment. And um, 
I mean, and and not even on that note, actually, I'll take that back because any kind of pain that a non-man experiences is is, is entirely delegitimized. Apparently, yeah. it just <clears throat> completely does not exist. So, um, you know, on when it comes to our health, our our medical well-being, and even our ability to live with or without pain, we have absolutely no say in those things. And there's no money invested in the research for those things either. Do you, uh, Ilex and Savannah, do you guys want to take turns doing your, uh, your main points? Uh, okay. Um, so I don't have a ton of leftist, uh, organizing experience. Most of mine, um, is like very liberal organizing experience. Um, similarly to Jess, I've done some, um, paid organizing, um, but I was doing what's considered grass tops organizing instead of grassroots. So, um, even the word organizing, I feel like it's a little, um, too much for what I was doing. I was really just like scheduling meetings for other lobbyists and politicians um, and like other organizations who are interested in um, sort of like general equity issues, but the organization I worked for specifically focused on health equity. So the organizing that I did was really interesting um, in the fact that most of the people that I worked with were also women. Um, Though I think the issues that I saw more is that we were all white women for the most part. And um, again, like most of the people that I worked with were um, financially stable. Like they were definitely working class, but they didn't acknowledge that they were working class. Like there was zero class consciousness in those spaces. And so when we were looking at issues of reproductive health or issues of housing, um, or anything that is mostly felt by the most vulnerable, um, the people that I worked with were not seeing themselves as, as those people. Um, and sometimes they weren't like, sometimes they were petty bourgeois or bourgeois and they were just, you know, they did this job for fun. Um, but sometimes like, I mean, most of us were working class, so a lot of us struggled to pay rent um, or to pay our mortgages and just to make it by. But they, you know, they didn't see themselves as working class people. They saw themselves as like middle class. So, um, yeah, I, my voice as a woman was often heard, but it was my voice as like a, a working class person, um, someone who was making $14 an hour in Denver, which is not a lot. Um, and that's when, um, I faced a lot of issues speaking to supervisors about equity, um, issues or about representation and how we should go about that as an organization. So yeah, I, I honestly don't have a lot of experience, um, with sexism in the workplace because I was working with mostly women or sexism in organizing because my work and organizing were sort of the same, um, yeah, but just a lot of classism and racism mainly um, that I saw other people facing. And if there were ever uh, women of color in our organizing spaces, they were either seen as um, resources uh, to use for their understanding of different communities so that we can tap into them, which was really disgusting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was awful because... Um, 
the people that I worked with would always talk about how we needed more diversity in the people that we helped and in our organization um, in general. And they would always like go to like the only woman of color that they knew and ask them how to do that instead of actually caring about the needs of the communities that they were looking at and seeing how they could get people um, from those communities in their organizing spaces and maybe seeing like why people might not want to be in their organizing spaces because they were pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it, it was more of the intersections of being a woman and being working class or being a woman and being uh, a woman of color that I saw people facing or that, you know, being working class, I myself saw. Yeah. And I feel like that's a, a big issue kind of just branching off of that, that I've seen. Um, In my experiences and seeing other people have to deal with, it sucks because we are so used to it. Um, Non-men, minorities, like where we are basically turned into commodities Mm -hmm. and we're used as social credit. And they care about all of that until you actually want to tell them that they're doing something wrong. And so you just get into this position where you learn that you're constantly being used that way. So it makes you... One, either forget that it's happening all the time and just get used to it, or two, always expect it. And um, it really uh, dims your view of organizing and dealing with people in general, especially when they're like white men, (laughs) which I've been complaining about this a lot in the Internet. So uh, you'll probably hear about it more. Um. So I guess I'll give a specific example. Um, I've been organizing since 2016, specifically with um, socialist work. Um, So I'll just go strictly with that. Um, So I heard of my local organization, Colorado Springs Socialists, uh, at my school. Um, They had a poster up, and I was really excited because at that time I was – I finally came into Marxist-Leninism. I was learning as much as I could at the time. I was still doing my biochemistry work. So that was, I was kind of going through that while also having a lot of family issues. Um, So I was unable to progress as much as I want to. I use progress as in my own self, not in like the sense that there's like kind of a level I should be going to. But um, so, yeah, I found their poster. I was really excited because it was pretty much talking about that there's going to be like a reading group. Um, I'll get to talk to other people that are similarly aligned to me. Um, And I was really naive, I'll be honest, because I didn't know what kind of people would be drawn to these kinds of groups until I actually was in it. Um, But anyway, so I go in. um, The first person I meet was the chair, president, head of the thing, um, which was a white man, um, Gabe. Um, he, I'm going to fucking name him. He, like, he yes. could, but <laughs> so I met Gabe and at first I liked him. I was like, he had, he had the language. He knew how to speak very well. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have heard him in podcasts. So everyone can see kind of this appeal where I was like, oh man, he actually knows what he's talking about. I might actually learn something. Um, but he was like, so where are you at? I'm like, I'm 
I just told him I'm a socialist. I wasn't going to say anything else. And he's like, oh, okay. I identify as a Trotskyist, but I just want you. He's like, but it doesn't really mean anything in actuality. It's just what I've been kind of taught and what I've been ingrained with. And I was like, and I was thinking, I was like, that's kind of a warning sign since I've been learning, but I'm going to just ignore it. Um, I should note that also this is pretty much my whole spiel is that I've been ignoring things that I should not have. Um, but anyway, we've so, all been there. Always trust your gut is what <laughs> I have learned. If a dude gives creepy vibes, walk away. <laughs> we have all made this mistake. <laughs> it's so bad. Like every time I think back, I'm like, oh, he really told me who he was. Like, I really, oh. Uh, but I'm going to fast forward um, quite a bit up to when I, as I continued into this organization and as CSS got bigger, it was called out for being mostly white and mostly men and that the leader was a white man, obviously. So um, he was trying to combat that by talking to a lot of the um, social activists of Colorado Springs. Um, trying to figure out if there's a way that we can kind of figure this out and try to bring them into the folds of our organization. But at the same time, it was really icky because there's still some of us who were marginalized in the organization and he didn't ask us how we, how he could like reach out to us. He just was like, I'm just going to talk to other people because they probably know what's happening. So anyway, um, what happened was, is that he was like, okay, well, we'll make different leadership roles. And I was like, cool. And he was like, okay, so you can do, I think my position was called director of outreach. And essentially what I was doing was if someone reached out to the Facebook, to Twitter, um, through our email, what have you, and asked if they wanted to meet, I would be the one to meet them. Um, this all sounds fine, but this is heavily problematic given that I am not, I'm one um, perceived as a woman, but like I'm non-binary. So again, that's that kind of issue. Um, I have a disability mentally, so it was kind of difficult to talk to people. So I had to go through that. Then it was another thing of once they figure out my name and my last name, um, I would get some shit about that as well. Um, I'm white coded in the sense that like perceived I'm very pale. I don't look um, at all ethnic, I guess that's kind of icky to say. Um, but once someone figures out that you have some kind of ethnicity or some kind of, um, I don't know, background, they're going to now racialize you. And that would happen frequently, um, especially in my organization. I became a token for um, not just Mexicans, but um, specifically all indigenous people in Mexico, which is, again, very problematic because that monolithicizes every single Mexican and indigenous person not understanding a complex history that comes with that. Also being a Chicano in um, the United States, I guess. Um, so anyway, uh, just one particular situation that I ran into. Uh, uh, it's so fucking bad. But essentially, like, 
I had I should have had someone come with me at least once. I always did it in public places, so that was I guess okay. Um, but I this one time I didn't go with a person with me. I most of the times met with white men, um, and they would mostly act flirtatious around me, which I fucking didn't get. Kill me! It's so gross. <laughs> so I would this one particular dude. I go in and. Um, I'm sitting there. He shows up late 30 minutes. I should I should have just left, but I didn't. I was like, I'm just going to wait. If he doesn't show up, I'll just do home- my homework here. So whatever. He shows up, um, immediately shows like lax, kind of. He doesn't really give a fuck. And I was like, okay, this isn't going to go anywhere. So I was I spent like the minimum amount of time. I explained to him how membership works what does the organization stand for i introduced myself obviously and then i was like non-binary whatever he immediately cut cut me off and was like what is that i'm like i was like i was trying to think back to what i was thinking about and i was like i don't know what he's asking so i was like uh non-binary and then he was like yeah i was like oh okay that's that's a whole nother issue i'll have to go into that more depth but essentially my pronouns are they them um, not all nine, and I just went to the spiel, whatever. And he was like, oh, okay. And he's like, um, I have a question though. I was like, okay. And I thought he was having some interest and I got excited. And then he was like, what's the ratio between men and women in your organization? And I was like, oh, oh okay. Uh, so we don't, I was like, so that's not really for us to decide. Like, I don't want to kind of give you the ratio of that he's like well do you guys have like single nights i'm like what the fuck is that and he was like it's essentially when i shouldn't i I don't know i was just like what what is that he was like um it's essentially when you have all the single people who are kind of politically aligned with you i'm like that's no i was like that's not what we're trying to do here I'm really sorry. That's not what I like. That's not what our organization is about. I don't appreciate you even asking me that. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I wasn't t- trying to be like rude about it. It was like, it wasn't necessarily your tone. It's what you said. Like, <laughs> as, like the content of your words were matter more to me than what the fuck, like your lax attitude, my guy. So anyway, I ended it immediately. I was like, I have to go home to water my cat. And I left. <laughs> And then like, you said that. Yeah. I like, but I forgot what exactly I said something to the effect of like I have to go, like water my cat or have to go do something for my cat in order for her to let I don't know something dumb. Uh, it was something that made no sense, but he accepted it. So I was I was like, okay, I'm bouncing. So I left, and I um, about two days afterwards he. Facebook messaged me, which I should have already blocked this dude, but again, anyway, so I message, or he messages me essentially saying like, hey, it was really nice to meet you. I was just wondering if there's a time that we can meet outside of organizing or whatever. I was like, um, no, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm not interested whatsoever. Um, I'm strictly like our only connection is only going to be through like organizing, but you're not even going to be allowed in our organization. So there's no point in continuing communication. He's like, 
Uh, wow. Uh, and had the thunk face. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, bro, I, I don't know what you want from me, but it's going to be enough for me, dog. And I lost <laughs> the dude. <laughs> I bounced. And then I told Gabe, I sent him the message. And he's like, yeah, we're not going to have him around. Um, then four months later, um, we're having a meeting, um, our general assembly meeting. And the dude comes in and I'm like, oh shit. And I'm fucking scared because I don't know what he's going to do. And he sees me and he's just like looks angry. And I was like, if I get fucking hurt here, I'm going to lose my mind. I don't know why he's here. He should not even known this, what, like this meeting was happening. Luckily, he just walked away, but I was fucking pissed because I was like, why is he allowed in this space knowing full well that I told the leadership of my organization that this was happening? Like, I understand why he thought it would be appropriate or okay. He was like, well, I didn't know. I think he made a new Facebook or whatever. I was like, that doesn't fucking, okay. Like, I know he didn't. Like That's even worse. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, that's just one story of that godforsaken organization. But, yeah. Oh, I hate it. I Wait. <laughs> just everything? Because I hate everything, too. No. Well, I hate how we're treated in leftist spaces. Yeah. It really pisses me off. Leftist spaces in particular. It's supposed to be... We've kind of talked about this before. It's supposed to be at a higher level of principled action. And I mean, this is like baby shit, right? Yeah. And even like that meme that I made today about like, if you want to be my lover, <laughs> you got to read Marxist feminist work <laughs> to treat us like humans. But it's like, true. we were talking about how like, that should be the minimum bar. That's like the low it bar. Should. It should. And like, the fact that we have to accept less than that in the hopes that they'll learn is bullshit. It shouldn't be something that we have to hope someone will learn. Because um, they don't learn, either. Like, yeah. it's not like they're going to change. It, Yeah, and that's probably my biggest flaw in my whole life is that I thought people would change and that I could help teach them. But I'm starting to get very pissy, and I'm just going to fuck it. If, if you're not on my level, bro, <laughs> get the fuck out. But someone even put that on Twitter today, how they're saying, and I think this is the biggest misconception, especially for men, is that just because you call yourself like a communist, Marxist-Leninist, that doesn't mean you've unlearned your oppressive mindset, right. your patriarchal mindset, and the way that you view the world. And I'm going to scrutinize the fuck out of people now. Like, do you actually understand what it means to have been benefiting from our oppression? Do you actually understand that on both of an emotional and intellectual level not just as some abstract idea because you're contributing to it you may not be aware of it but you are and um just like that whole bullshit recently that went on with um prt rip rest in peace <laughs> um, Sad. Rest in peace. um like i hate the fact that i had to be put in a position where i had to point out when people were acting problematic and even with that hope of how close we were how supportive we had been with one another like I'm still put in a position where I have to call it out and then you won't even self-crit and you won't even take it as like honest like coming from a good place honestly from a place of wanting us to grow and a place for us to all learn from our mistakes 
And it gets turned around and basically anything I said, when I'm pointing out actual issues that are interwoven into histories of oppression and power dynamics, is seen as weaponizing my identity. That really fucking pissed me off. (laughs) Because I am very cautious about using my identity. I've never wanted to use it as a place of power. And I have honestly, even before, like, swept things under the rug because I'm like, you know what, maybe I'm just being sensitive. Maybe. No. I know. And it's something I need to learn. But that just shows you how often I am very cautious of pointing things out from the experiences of oppression because I've been taught to do that, right? And so that also shows how serious the situation was at that point because I have that issue where even if I have these experiences and they're very like sketchy and honestly probably racist and misogynistic like I don't feel right in my experiences unless someone else has validated it saying like oh no that's not right and it sucks that I have to get others understanding of what I've been going through in order to like understand that I am not crazy basically um yeah it sucks but uh I think we all do that where we all ask each other is this okay am I wrong for feeling offended by this right it sucks I think we all do that yeah yeah like there's been so many times when just in our group chat like of non-men like we've talked to each other about like it did it was this fucked up we're like yeah it's definitely (laughs) fucked up you need to stand up for each other and that's why we have each other's backs but it sucks that you know, like what we've talked about earlier in this episode, where we have to have someone else's opinion to validate our opinion. It's so ingrained and like, it, it's rough, you know, hindsight type of shit. Like, oh, mm-hmm. well, duh. But in the moment, you're just like, you don't want to, you've been taught to not be the person who wants to ruffle feathers because you want to share organizing you want to have a voice you want to lend a voice to others and kind of be a model for others too but at the same time I'm getting to a point where it's like I'm not gonna put up with shit (laughs) well and you even get it from other non-men too um you know being told that like this is not the way that we that we fight for our rights or, you know, that, that us speaking up or demanding space or demanding to be heard when we have concerns that, that you know, that we're told that, that this isn't the way that we do it by non-men who have that misogyny so ingrained um, that it's just, you know, from, from all angles of society, it's so frustrating that you can watch them suffer from it happening to them and then see them do it to you. Yeah. I think it's wild that... We're all like really outspoken when injustices are being done, but when it comes to ourselves, we just, we don't do anything about it. Right. And that was like, that's something I'm having to learn because honestly, I probably wouldn't have spoken up if I was the only one being affected. Like the reason why Mm -hmm. I felt the courage to speak up is because I saw that the bullshit was affecting everyone I was like this is bullshit I'm gonna stand yeah. up fuck this shit but if it was just me which I had faced shit by myself you know I just swept it to the side and you do see a lot of internalized misogyny and racism where they're like no we've dealt with it this long you don't have to speak up don't like use your identity as a way mm-hmm. to justify something's incorrect or wrong but no like 
dog, you gotta speak up. Yeah. I think um, I wasn't gonna talk too much about PRT, but um, that's like a great example of like another non man in that group telling us that we were taking up too much space or that. Um, the conversation of taking space or um, being given space is not one that needs to be had because the space is there. And there are all these men who really care about us, who are creating a space that is accessible for us. And it's not, I was, we've all been um, spoken over so many times, like during the podcasts or during meetings about the podcast and uh, like spoken over, like, you know, in, in the moment, but also just our ideas in general have been sort of suffocated because they're not seen as important. Right. I was also going to say, like, the big issue with, and it's hard, was that, especially in that podcast, in a lot of spaces, is that they give performative token uh, gestures, and that should be adequate from their point of view. Like, we gave you your space for this in like this tiny segment of your identity and your struggle. So you should be happy with it. If anyone ever does that kind of thing, that means they aren't understanding the dynamics of power within the group and they aren't actually doing self-reflection into the group dynamic and fuck them and <laughs> demand more. Yeah. Always demand more. I would even go based off of that is that, if you don't have certain people or like marginalized voices into a podcast or organization, what have you, then it shows that you have no clue who makes up working class people who make up the people who are actually suffering. Um, I understand again, that there's still um, white class people, white class men that are suffering as much as we are, but at the same time, capitalism is racialized and gendered. So you can't say that, um, because we gave you our space that you're finally okay. Like it's not going to be okay unless you completely radicalize the way you're thinking and how you structure, not even just your own mind, but in like everything that you do, including any kind of organizational spaces. So um, I actually can say on a not so negative note, because unfortunately most of our experiencers are so <laughs> shitty in this realm. Um, so I am also on the Red Book Club, and we noticed when we started our Marxist Feminist series, um, which were just just works written by non-men and about mostly about non-men, um, we noticed the first episode that we recorded that it was really, really basically a bunch of dudes talking about women's bodies. And um, and the history of non-men being sy systemically oppressed. And um, it was really exactly the opposite of what we needed to do in order to make content that honors the, the point behind the text being made it in the first place or being made in the first place. So um, we completely rearranged the way that we do our discussions and now even though we still have more men than non-men in our discussions, it's actually almost exactly 50% um, non-men now, thanks, thanks to uh, Talia joining and um, some of Talia's friends and some other people mm -hmm. joining regularly as well. So now we have um, pretty much equal space, or I mean, a, 
equal amount of people in there. But even before that, we made sure that we had equal voice and equal space in the discussion by making guidelines to the way that we actually participate and making sure that like we didn't have um, men making all of the um, introducing all of the subjects about non-men. And so that we were just, you know, we, we went consciously into these discussions saying that we needed to make sure that we were not making this discussion about making space for non-men and about how we've systemically taken space away from non-men. We can't make that another place where non-men are taken or space is taken away. And so I would like to like commend the book club and the other people who um, are like part of the planning committee for that, because I think we've done a really good job recognizing that we were not practicing the theory that we were supposedly preaching and we changed the way that we organized from there on. So it's, it's nice that that's all we really have to do. We have to recognize that, you know, non-men hold up the other half of the sky and they have to hold up the other half of the discussion too. So <laughs> it's, it's nice when, um, when that does actually happen. So, Yeah. Uh, can I just add to that that one congratulations because you did so much work Jess um, but two always make sure like this is how I kind of analyze how quote unquote woke uh, a man is has he actually read feminist theory has he yes. thought about the lives right. of women and non-men outside of the context of in relation to a man has he actually tried to understand the perspective of this class of people and the historic systemic uh, oppression they faced? Like, have they put in the work to understand the people who hold the other half of the sky? Like, if you, you haven't, then I don't consider yourself a true Marxist-Leninist. I'm sorry. That no. is, sub, like, feminism is subsumed within Marxism-Leninism. Lemon, <laughs> I always do that shit. Marxist-Leninist. Another shout out, out to you. No, uh, but yeah, that like we read men shit all the time because yeah. it's the norm. Have you read about? Have you read Colantine? Yes, yes. Not you guys, the others. <laughs> Not. I'm pretty sure we all have read Colantine. I'm talking about the the dude she's bros. Fire! Oh, she's so great. Love her. We'll talk about her later. <laughs> Part of this podcast is we're going to be doing, like, episodes about non-men Marxists and little bios and all that shit so people will know more about them. And So, um, once again, the phrasing that history is written by the victors and for the last several centuries, men have been the victors. And so that is exactly why this podcast needs to exist because... There's so much history that nobody's talking about that still exists that just hasn't got been passed down because it's just not socially beneficial for capitalism and misog misogyny to amplify. 
I was just going to say, yeah, uh, along those lines, I'm excited for us to share some of these histories because I feel like most people don't know the revolutionary and radical history of non-men all around the world. Like everyone knows Ho Chi Minh, but no one knew Win Ti Minh Kai. Like, fuck you. She literally sacrificed herself for the Vietnamese people. So, you know, we need to make make spaces for these stories and pay homage to them. Um, Anyways, do you feel like this is a good time for everyone to do like little conclusions if we have them? Oh, um, so I actually had one more thing to add. Do um, it. Specifically um, <laughs> on the note of my small high pitched interrupter here. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm a mother and it's a consistent issue in organizing um, that childcare is not. Sorry, one second. <laughs> How fitting. He's so excited. Um, (laughs) So it's a consistent problem in organizing, even when I have voiced that, um, you know, having meetings on days where I don't have childcare is a problem or having meetings where they've strictly banned people who have children with them is a problem. Or um, that's consistent. Like that's normally it. When you bring a kid, they're like, um, okay, what are you doing? So unless it's a baby, if they're very, very small, it's totally fine. But at no other point is it okay. So um, I think that, and, and, in the, in, and in those settings, they never provide some sort of like childcare alternative. Um, and that doesn't mean like, even if they do provide that, that's not something that all parents can take advantage of. Like my child has several allergies. It's not safe to just drop him in with any old childcare provider. Um, So there are all these issues around being a parent and especially a single mother that leads me to not be able to participate in organizing um, activities that I would love to be able to participate in. And like specifically yesterday, I didn't get to go to Food Not Bombs because kiddo was already tired and I wasn't going to go stand out in the cold with him um, and, and serve meals while he was dead tired and grumpy. And that's just a consistent issue. So um, when we don't listen to the voices of non-men, we don't have, we don't make the spaces conducive to non-men being there or people who are parents being there. And then that ends up being that either the mother doesn't go or the only person in the family that does get to go is, is the father. And that's pretty consistent. Like that's just the way it always goes. Um, and so it's basically like I have to find other ways to be involved in organizing situations. Um, I do make a lot of content now because that's something I can do as a parent from home. Um, and they're like, it's just endless. There, there are so many struggles and absolutely nobody cares about accommodating for parents. And it's frustrating because the working class is made up of parents and specifically the majority of the working class is the same age and demographic of who's making the most children. So um, you're alienating the people who have the most um, invested in what comes out of organizing. So I think that that's just really important to mention because that affects non-men more than it affects men by a long shot. When men have children, you usually don't see them drop out of organizing settings. They usually just maybe disappear for two weeks and then they'll come back. Um, but mothers for the rest of the time that they're raising children, they just, 
they don't get to participate the same way as they used to. So I think that that's something that we need to mention because, um, you know, we're alienating the voices that should be heard. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess my closing thoughts are, listen to your gut. You are already strong enough to speak out for others, learn how to speak out for yourself. Um, And I'm like a hundred percent sure that if someone is making, if a man is making you uncomfortable, they have probably made another non-man comfortable. So if you speak out, then others will speak out and you'll give the others courage to speak out and make the whole space a lot better for organizing because we need your voice. We need everybody's voices if we want to be able to destroy capitalism. Exactly. I would say my my closing thoughts are that um, I would say a lot of leftists who are men um, believe that, you know, they're woke, believe that they're well-read and they know what they're doing. Um, and so they give themselves a pass to understand the struggles of non-men Um and although like a lot of my experience, as I spoke on earlier, is in liberal organizing and women dominated spaces, the orga- organizing experience I've had in leftist spaces have been male dominated. And most of those men have given themselves a lot of leeway when it comes to non-men issues to think that they already know as much as they need to know. Um, so I would just say like, you know, like as a non-man, like you know more than they know. Even if they pose that like they know more, like you are the expert. They are not. And so if you think something is wrong, if you think there's a problem, like like you said, speak up um, because it, it probably is a problem and you, you are definitely right. Um, and I'm just really excited about this podcast. And I think it's super necessary and I'm excited for us to share our perspectives um, and really create a space where people can feel validation and see similarities in their own experiences and in ours. Yeah, that was great. Uh, (laughs) um, I don't know. Uh, Very similar things. Um, Listening to your gut. Obviously, that's been kind of a unanimous thing. Um, There's always going to be red flags. Um, if you and not the good kind, yeah, <laughs> not not, not the not the good kind, <laughs> not yeah, definitely not. No, <laughs> um, I don't really. Yeah, I would just say, as someone who's done organizing, organizing and done leadership with it, um, be mindful how your identities are being weaponized um, for the group if it's becoming a way that your voice is now just tokenized, as we mentioned, um, be very mindful of that. Um, I would also say that I think it's totally fine. And this is just a personal mentioning. I think it's totally fine um, if you join an organization that strictly deals with non-men or people of color or only disabilities or something like that. I feel like you can find definitely intersections with that and you can work together um, but if you have to create a space for yourselves that are not, in a sense, in the gaze of white men, I think that's okay, if that makes sense. Yeah. Also, I'm excited for this podcast. I'm sorry, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great point. Um, oftentimes, we'll be told when we bring up 
the lack of visibility to these issues. We're told it's like identity politics. Um, we told that it's not part of the overall, <laughs> not part of the overall uh, scope of what Marxists and Marxist-Leninists should be looking at. But anyone who says that is has a very weak and a weak and unfinished view of what liberation could and should be. Um, and like everyone has reiterated here, uh, listen to your gut. Be mindful of microaggressions. Don't feel like you're making them up. You're not. Microaggressions are very real. Uh, we all face them, and they are as damaging as, um, you know, like the buildup of external abuse. And it's it's uh, something to be taken seriously. Um, and just try to speak out when you can. Um, always, you know, I want to say that if you ever are unsure and you don't know who to talk to, we can talk to you. Like, even if uh, it's to have someone to have a sounding board against, like, we're here for you. Um, but that's one of the things that I feel like is so important to be mindful of. Like, you have solidarity within non-men. And if you talk to them about how an organization is doing, they'll often tell you how it really is doing because they're the ones who are often listened to the least in uh, the changes that should be going on in the organization. And they're the ones who um, are seen as the expendables. So listen to them and listen to yourself too. Uh, yeah. And I'm also excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I want to echo everything that was said before me. And um, because absolutely everything is true. And I also want to mention that the main reason why this episode and this whole project is so important is because we need to fundamentally change the way that we treat each other on a personal basis and on a societal basis. And the conversations about where we're doing these things wrong need to be ha or need to be had. And so I think that we need to remember that it's not just, you know, us talking about, you know, complaining in a room or whatever. Really what's happening is these are significant issues that we have in the ways that we treat each other that need to be changed or we can't be as effective as we want to be. We can't be good organizers. We can't be good revolutionaries. We can't be good even podcasters if we don't think about the fact that the way that we treat each other changes the way that um, that we that the projects that we're a part of actually work and so um, and even just interpersonally so I would say um, closing remarks listen to the non-men in your life if they tell you something's a problem don't tell them they're just being sensitive um, or to if, calm down yeah. Um, if um, if you have questions, reach out to non-men. Um, look for non-men talking about these issues. And, um, you know, like Alex said, listen, like talk to us. Like we would be happy to talk to anybody about this stuff, I'm certain, because um, these things are so important. And that's the only reason why we're recording our voices talking about them. So, Yeah. That's my closing remarks. <laughs> uh, do you want to say how people can reach us? 
Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you can reach us on Twitter at the Tolerant Left Pod. You can find us on basically any podcast app by the same name. And you can email us at the Tolerant Left Pod at gmail.com. Or sorry, Tolerant Left Pod, not the at gmail.com. Uh, I guess you can also uh, find us through the Lennon's Ghost Discord uh, server as well. So thank you for listening. I'm excited for what we have coming. And please stay tuned. Thanks for listening to The Tolerant Left, a group of Marxist-Leninist non-men holding up the other half of the podcast sky. Bye. 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 <laughs>
they yelling freeze and the globe be getting warmer and my people getting afraid but they ain't hanging a diploma so who do we pay and who do we praise pray on each other but never pray for the people we play cancer increase us so why releasing the cure for when chemo's more expensive and the people get poor sure working with no benefits the government don't tell us shit they relish in the fact that they embellish it the changes can't affect hey, come and dance along yeah it's the same song you can either sing a different tune or join along hands up empty out your pockets and smile Cause we gon' be here for a while, so come and dance along. Yeah, it's the same song. You can hear the singer fight for the joint alone. Hands up, empty out your pockets, smile. Cause we gon' be here for a while, yeah.